smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I am one of your co-hosts, Cliff Schechter, along with um, that other guy, John Aravosis. Why, hey, John. I got to watch the dating game the other day. Somebody was sharing a clip. No, no, it was a random thing that came up on on YouTube. I was thinking dating game when you introduced me. Great liberal Chuck Woolery who hosted that. Well, if you're young, it it is. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Was was that Chuck Woolery? No. I mean, he might have been like the reincarnation of it, but not the original one. Didn't he host like half the talk shows out there before he lost his brain? So I figured he he may have done the the new. He may have done the new dating game, but not the one from the '60s. No. Is that the one where you date members of the Trump administration? I think he does that game now. Well, no, the 60s one was fun, though, because it was Deanna Martin, who's D- or Dina Martin, Dean Martin's daughter. Oh, cool. And one of the three guys she was interviewing was Steve Martin, which was hysterical. Also, the Martin Martin thing. But also, then at the end of the show, they showed the other couple that won. And it was, uh, what's his face? R- Richard Dawson. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, this I shouldn't make that joke. Well, he's a 20-year-old in, like, his hippie jacket. You know, the, the Nehru jackets yes. they wore? And this big necklace thing around his neck that looks like a rapper <laughs> anyway, my favorite sorry. richard dawson moment and then i'm going to introduce our guest, introduce our guest. Yeah. we're seeing him thrown into a thrown into like a toboggan by arnold schwarzenegger and running man and sent it eight thousand miles per hour down a fucking slide crashing into a billboard and blowing up i was gonna but say that's fun but not the last part yeah, well i mean yeah. i He's, yeah. I digress. Uh, hey, folks, we're going to talk about politics, uh, as always. <laughs> Obviously, there was a big pick of some sort this week uh, and some other things going on that we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to discuss those with a brilliant a political strategist and longtime friend of both John and mine, uh, Brett DeResta. Brett is the president and founder and CEO and some other titles, probably, uh, of the Maccabee Group. He does opposition research. Um, you know, some names you've heard he's done the research for uh, a guy named Tim Kaine, who once ran for vice president, Chuck Schumer, Jennifer Granholm and many other biggies like that. Uh, Brett is also a professor uh, at both George Washington University uh, and University of San Francisco. He's an adjunct professor teaching politics, a lot of stuff about opposition research and campaigns Been published in the New York Times on the subject and other places. Uh, welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you. Thank you both for uh, having me. Uh, I'd much rather talk about the dating game and that's because I'm borderline boomer that I remember the, the dating game. And he admits that folks, he admits because, that. you know what, because people, way, were, people were going after boomers again online this morning because they were having a big discussion on is Kamala a boomer? I, I saw that she's X. not, she's early. Well, I, you may, I mean, <laughs> except for the fact that, some of us who've been sitting here forever, and I don't want to disparage anybody currently, but it would like we can do that generational shift. And I want to give Joe Biden credit because he chose to do that because you know, forty somethings and fifty somethings I think are ready to start moving up at this point. Well, you know, but and we've—I mean, Brett, you may not know because I, you know, you may not listen to every show of ours, though we hope you, you do. You, or um, say you do, or we're kicking you off right now. Well, no, but it's part of the thing that pisses me off is once again it's this weird. First of all, it's a little dig at Kamala now, like she's too old at fifty-five. It's like okay, whatever. But yeah. also this crazy idea that you know. It's like Logan's run or something. We're all supposed to kill ourselves when we turn 50. Like, oh, she's worked her whole life towards this moment, and so has Biden. But, hey, they're too old for the top job in their field. They should right. just get out of the way for the young people. What the like, fuck? It's just an athletic. Well, first of all, 
Go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, anybody under 70 would have been a new generational pick at this point. <laughs> well, that too. It feels yeah. like everyone we, we, we're looking at is uh, a septuagenarian. But, um, yeah, it, it's ridiculous how, you know, narrow people are looking at it. It was a great pick. Yeah. She was a smart pick. She was a safe pick. She had been vetted. Uh, she's experienced. Uh, it's, you know, whether she's 49 or 55, who cares? She was a great pick. So like, I, I'm with you, Cliff, in the sense that uh, people keep trying to narrow things down and complain about one small thing or the other. By and large, she was a super smart pick. And frankly, uh, I don't think they get enough credit for they have been pretty smart for the last yes. five to six They've months. They've handled an un, un sort of precedented situation in a way that uh, in a way that's been very smart and very difficult to handle, I would argue. And again, Kamala Harris, think about you know everything you achieved with that pick. You know, you you've got. I mean, yes, generational change is what we're, one thing we're talking about. But you've got a Westerner on the ticket. It may be California, but it, that doesn't change the fact that issues in the, uh, out west for anybody who's lived out there and knows are different. There's issues around water and the environment and things that nobody in the Northeast or part of the parts of the country ever thinks about. And so the fact that Biden's from Delaware, this was a regionally diverse pick. He picked the first African-American woman uh, to, to run for vice president. She's the first Asian-American woman. She is part Indian-American to run for, for vice president. That is a big deal. The first, uh, you know, if she, assuming they win, and I'm going to assume they will because I can't accept any other alternative in my head, she will be the first female vice president. And of course, the biggest one to Brett of all, the big deal, is we get oh. the first Jewish second man. And who doesn't want the first Jewish second man? The bagels at the Naval Observatory are going to be lit, folks. The selection, excellent. Actually, as a Jew who lives in uh, the D.C. area, they're not going to be lit. Uh, the bagels here are still <laughs> terrible. They can import from Essa Bagel. Note, Doug will know right. Unless they're bringing them in from New York, it's still not that good here. And they do shond it. They get the they get the blueberry bagels, which is a sin against all God. Um, <laughs> the raisin bagels are good. The blueberry ones, I don't. You know, that, that's a that's a really a communist designation, as far as I'm concerned. By the way, do you get extra bonus points? You used unprecedented in the unprecedented podcast. Is I thought like, about uh, that, but you... <laughs> but I was like unprecedented, unprecedented, you know, it, it all. But and, and let me even within our our jokes, guys. And again, I've said we've known Brett for a while, and I'll argue that Brett has a, a fun sense of humor. Don't tell him that, though. So we're probably going to have a fun show uh, in the way that we all talk to each other. But I want, but some important points in between. You know, we always act like any executive position is equal to any other executive position. Like, oh, my God, you were governor of Wyoming where there are eight people and two cows. You you really have, you know, as opposed to being mayor of New York City, uh, a city, which is, well, you know, Kamala Harris was elected to be attorney general of California, which is on its own the fifth, sixth largest economy in the world, um, a huge state with about one eighth, one ninth of the population of the United States. Like that, being an executive in California is actually a big deal. You get a lot of executive experience in addition to being a U.S. senator. And the final thing, the charisma, the ability to, to with a smile, just destroy the opposition. I mean, she showed it yesterday when they did their first joint appearance and got up and spoke when she ripped Trump apart and framed it brilliantly and did it in a way where you could smile and laugh and just took them apart on coronavirus and other stuff. She's so good at that. So I view it as like a win, 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 quite frankly. There you Anyone? go. You know, uh, did, 
can I ask real quick? I'm sorry, but Brett, I was trying to look for, I heard it this morning on the news that, oh, he called her a mad woman. Oh my God. Okay. This morning, Trump called her a mad woman. I thought he said a man woman. <laughs> well, no, That's because next. what, we'll what he did next. was he said, she's, she's kind of angry like a man, like a man. Ooh. Oh my God. And of course, I fucking turned up a web page that then threw music at me. I fucking hit the the independent. Don't ever go to their website. Oh my god! Because <laughs> the thing is, it was it was in my ears like out of the blue, like Wah! um. But he called her a mad woman because she acts like a man. She has a man's anger or something. And it was like, yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't know if that's true, but like you're saying she's kind of like you all. Like I mean, so let's and we and we wouldn't want any man to win. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's been a great uh, – uh, Tim Miller from the Bulwark wrote a column about how the Republicans haven't figured out their line of attack. Bingo. I know it's by violent. all accounts he's playing six-dimensional chess, and he's a, a genius, and we're all morons because we don't understand it. But you would think that since she was a pretty obvious pick and everybody had her in the top two, you know, sometimes with Susan Rice, sometimes with some other people, but that they would have had the moment they announced it a concerted line of attack that went through all rungs of the Republican Party. And they just have it in the first 48 hours. It's been, she's nasty. She's too liberal. Oh, she's bad on prison reform. Uh, They've gone every which way. She's too liberal. Wait, she's too much of a cop. I mean, it's hilarious. (laughs) So it's it's kind of astonishing. Um, But, you know, that's how he's done everything by the seat of his pants. And I guess he thinks it works for him every time. Well, he, um, he throws shit and waits to see what sticks. Basically. No, that's also the key point, I think, that Brett made right there, which is this man's entire life has been about what do I want in the next five minutes? And yeah. whatever pops in, he cannot. And this is why when people are like, how could you not prepare for the coronavirus? I'm like, have you watched this person? How could you not prepare for you know uh, the, the the economy? Have you watched this person? If it's an extreme form of ADHD plus narcissism plus but whatever it is, he literally and Mary Trump told us this. He cannot sit down and prepare for anything. He can't. He's had one uh, briefing, intelligence briefing, and in, you know since July twentieth at this point or twenty second, I think it was. He he's not even getting intelligence briefings. He cannot concentrate that long on anything that's not Fox and Friends or a right. porn star or whatever Vladimir Putin is saying to him. Like the point is he cannot so why would this be any different? They don't have a line of preparation because I promise you, he refused to sit down and prepare it with them. Well no, but but I will say that he also he is good at coming up with like bullshit lines and he throws them out and he throws them and throws them and throws them until one of them sticks. That's how he does his nicknames and that's what he's doing with her. The problem is in politics it can get a little, yeah, it's a little dysfunctional because you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. And like you said, it's not clear what message they're saying about her. But anyway, you know, we Cliff, let's do a quick ad or ads. We'll get them out of the way and then we'll come back with Brett and do more Kamala Harris, I hope. Yes, shall we? Yes. Yeah. Would, okay. would you like to do your ad first? I will do my ad I... first. And I just texted you about our upcoming guests. So please check the text to get back. To I saw it. It's not so near, you know, obviously near. Nope. It's an upcoming Brett. old guest who's really good, though, with a new book. No, but not um, as good as Brad, of course. Not as good as Brett. But, you know, unfortunately, COVID-19 infection rates are exploding across the nation. Brett, did you know that? We, we <laughs> I've know heard it's, about that. Well, listen to this. Heard. We know it's common sense that everyone wear a face mask. And I like that they got everyone wear, like they even got the tense right here, which I was very happy because subjunctive drives me crazy when people don't use it. <laughs> it's a thing. And finally, most, 
But it is though. I hate when people. I, do I agree with you. Work, it's just you know? hilarious during an ad to do that. But go ahead. Well, I'm just impressed that they got the ad right. And finally, most states have put. Ma- oh, this is the part I don't like. Most states have not put mask mandates in place. But it's okay. We could be a girl can dream. Okay. So face masks are still our best way to protect ourselves, our family, and our community. But what happens when the mask you thought you were buying is fraudulent or worthless, Brett? I ask you. The FDA has provided a list of authorized respirator mask manufacturers. Finding those masks has been a challenge and verifying their authenticity even harder. Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized respirator masks with anti-fake authentication on every package to ensure you're getting exactly what you need. These masks are tested by the NPPTL in the United States and provide greater than 95% filtration. They've even been used in the medical community. Right now, these masks are in stock and shipped for free for our listeners when you add the code SEXYLIBERAL. Might be one word, might be two. We, we're never going to have the answer to that one. Uh, go to the newdealshop.com and order your supply today. That's the newdealshop.com or the newdealshop.com. Get them and keep yourself, your family, and your community safe. And now, Cliff, do we have a word about our favorite product? We do, because it's oh. an important product. And I, I have this, to this was an important asking, one, Brett. This is an Brett, important one. Brett, don't you just love getting to get together with people you love over the summer? Do you? I do. I yeah, do. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. Right. And, and, and there's nothing quite like the backyard barbecue talking about the good old days over a hot dog and grandma's potato salad, you know, of course. But this summer, what you want to do is, is give somebody, everybody, give everyone something to talk about, show up to the barbecue looking 10 years younger. That's important. That's right. I said 10 years younger. And you can show everyone that you know how to be look 10 years. How am I fucking this up? So I don't much? know. You've only done this a thousand times. You know, they've changed up. The, they've changed it up. On oh, so that's right. Here. That's right. Furniture here. All right. You can show everyone your your new your new you. OK, the right. <laughs> you can show your new you by using Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates oh. your wrinkles, fine lines, and under eye bags, and it works in less than ten minutes. Can you believe that, Brett? Uh, is there some sort of uh, gift bag that I get some of these things in? Absolutely. We've been wanting the show. Plexiderm gift bag. We, we don't get it. We're like, why did we get our Plexiderm? Exactly. I need to look better. And here's the thing: the results last for hours, long after everyone's finished off the watermelon and fruit salad, which everyone has at their barbecues. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines. Number 11s, which I don't know what those are. I'm going to Google those. Go on. And Crow's Feet takes up to 10 years off of your appearance this summer in less than 10 minutes with Plexiderm. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit tryplexiderm.com. Or you can call 800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, guys, make those wrinkles, lines, and under eye bags. Oh. Those number 11s, oh. make those suckers go away, and Plexiderm will do it. Um, hold this. on, you can tell people oh, what sorry. they're after. Yep. Um, and you can make them disappear with Plexiderm. Visit triplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292. And say the code VOICES at checkout. All right, guys. Wow, Here's that number the reads I've had yet. I Google number 11. So number 11's called glab, gl, glabella lines or glabella lines. I don't know. Um, are the short parallel vertical lines, so going up and down, found between your eyebrows. So right above your nose when you furl your brow or whatever, oh. and it scrunches together so like, an 11. like an 11. That's their little... Yeah, is that funny? That makes sense. Yeah, I have no idea sense. what those were. Do you see the things you so learn? So that is part of bread? the swag bag. I have I've confirmed that that this yes. is officially part of the swag bag. I yes. guess from you guys. That's what we get to okay. everybody who comes on, yep. except for nobody that's come on yet. Uh, but we'll see, Brett. We'll try for you. Yep. 
Um, you learned so much with us. Okay, so back to Kamala. Um, with nice pronunciation, here. by yeah. the way. Apparently, Tucker Carlson got really angry. I was thinking of that as I said it, Cliff. That's funny. Go on. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tucker mispronounced but it because we call it Kamala. Kamala, he think he said or something. He called her. I think he called her a really rich, out of touch lady. Does do people listening know who Tucker Carlson is? <laughs> Literally, the heir to the to the Swanson frozen food uh, empire. Basically, basically, frozen fish has made Tucker's family incredibly wealthy. Uh, so that he can be day in and day out the unbelievable asshole that he is, and uh, he he actually yeah. tries to call other people elitist. The guy whose dad was like you know uh, an ambassador under Reagan, and uh, I mean it's it, it would be hilarious if he wasn't such an utter dick. But I digress. In fairness, yes. he, his face now has the same color hue as the sauce to the Salisbury steak in Swanson. So oh. I mean, you can see where <laughs> that too much product. <laughs> Also, he needs a, he needs a little plexiderm, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say he's noticeable yeah. number eleven too. So. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> Can I ask you guys a question about uh, Senator Harris? Are, are you a little concerned? I, I mean, I think she's a great pick. I've said that already. Are you a little concerned given how she kind of faded from view during the presidential campaign? Fair question. What do you? I don't I understand. What do you mean? Sky. I don't understand. Well, the she question. started off. She started off super hot. She raised. 20 million right out of the gate. She shot up after the first debate and oh, then okay. she was leading in the polls and then she kind of faded out of, yes. Um, she really sort of disappeared for a little bit. So I, I'm, to me, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how, how, how she stays involved. You know, here's the thing. Okay. I, I thought about it and what I think what your question really is, if I may rephrase is that he didn't pick a superstar in terms of she wasn't the runner up. She wasn't Bernie. You know, right. you know, she wasn't even Warren in terms of popular support. But then when you think about it, how many VP candidates are right? Mike Pence wasn't the number two to Donald Trump in the in the primaries. Um, Tim Kaine. I literally had to Google Tim Kaine. I was like, Tim Kaine. The last one I can think of was Reagan right? picking George H.W. Bush. Correct. I mean, you've got Palin and Goofy Boy, Quayle. Um, even Al Gore, though Al Gore was in the race with him, so maybe Gore made sense. Al Gore wasn't in 92. He ran in 88. And, oh, and, there you yeah. go. So, but so he I mean, chose I, not to run in 92. I, so I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I think we all have a bias towards thinking, oh, you got to pick the person who's really big in the news like you. But they haven't actually done that. I will say this. People raise it with me because I've always liked Kamala. See, I want to say Kamala because I'm a Midwesterner. So Kamala. it's very hard. It's yeah, very hard to very say Kamala. It's like saying aunt. Yeah. So Kamala, Kamala. Um, I've always liked her anyway. She was my top pick for VP, but uh, a part of me has worried, you know, will she energize the black vote since, you know, she and Corey, neither she nor Cory Booker were doing very well with the black vote. It was all Biden. Although then that makes you say, well, if Biden was already killing the black vote, then killing it with the black vote, then we don't necessarily matter if Kamala is. I think she energizes. African-American women are still the heart of the party. I think so. Yeah. That's I the first she, thing. The second yeah. thing is to answer what Brett was saying, look, I don't have empirical <laughs> proof of this. Certainly there seemed to be a lot of evidence out there um, that, and, you know, so this could lead one to perhaps question her in other ways, but it wasn't her connecting with people. You're, you should, those big moments of the debates, one of them at right. Biden's expense, her numbers shot up and then she never took advantage of it in terms of the fundraising and, and what folks later said, and again, this is sort of the, which is, it was the organizational structure, which is, it seems right. like there was a family member 
I don't want to get nasty, but who had way too much say in things and they had too many cooks in the kitchen. And so it wasn't about her, her appeal or her ability to connect or whatever. It was about the campaign structure, not, not being able to move quickly adroitly and capitalize at those moments so that her numbers after those great moments went down and she didn't. And right. the answer to that is, is that, well, the structure isn't her responsibility anymore. It's much more the, the connecting part. Let's throw this to Brett. And while Brett is answering, Cliff, you can answer my text message about our guest next week so I can nail it down. (laughs) All right. Brett, go ahead. Uh, Cliff, that was kind of my point. But first of all, when people do the postmortems of campaigns, it's always about finger pointing. And I I read the same things that you did and heard the Hmm. same things that you have, that they blamed her sister or what have you. In other words, people are trying to blame each other, even though it may not be true. Yeah, It happened a lot. But to me, the, the concern was, and that's why I was asking uh, more like Cliff was saying that she had this bright shining moment and she had the second, the, the, the ability to capitalize on it and it didn't materialize. And whether that was because the organization wasn't strong or she wasn't connecting, that was where my concern is, is that there was a moment for her to really take over and be a major factor and it, it didn't transpire. And so that was really my only concern. Yeah. I still think it was a great pick. I still think she's a superstar. I think she checked all the boxes that we mentioned at the beginning of it. But I, I'm going to be watching to see, now that she has this second chance at a big moment, yeah. how much she capitalizes on and I think that. Are, that's a very fair question. And again, you read the same things I read. All we can know is that she didn't they didn't move quickly and adroitly whatever the reason was to do a big fundraising pitch to get you get some big speeches on the calendar after some of those big moments and that was in the pre-covid days to do the things that you would want to do right after a big moment to try to make it to make those when your numbers go up to solidify them so that they don't they aren't just people kind of you know who who are who are who are camilla curious so to speak and <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cute, though. they didn't yeah. do that and you wondered why and that these accounts gave reasons now maybe these accounts were wrong or people were being self-serving but you know we'll see i think she's i i would agree brad i mean look no one's perfect and i think uh she brings a lot of good stuff to the table so let's hope it's enough and it's right yeah um yeah but she was and she was great yesterday she was giving her speech really going after trump <clears throat> which was, I mean, and really going after Trump, which is great on the virus and everything else. Um, and she took so apart I, Trump yesterday in a way, again, Biden has a lot of his strengths, but speaking is not, you know, giving these speeches is not one of them. Yeah. And she took Trump apart in an eloquent and just fantastically succinct, straightforward way that, again, before she was on the campaign, there just wasn't someone there who could do that. Yeah. And it, it, well, if you've, I, if you've ever watched her at any of the hearings, that she participates in. Whereas a lot of other on the House and Senate side, they bloviate, they they take five minutes and they talk over their the uh the people who uh are at the hearings. She never does. She's always really on point. She always has amazing questions. I imagine being a former prosecutor helps with that. But she's always on point and she always gets them um really, really nailed down to where you know they struggle there was a question yeah. she gave uh to kavanaugh about have you ever heard of a law that uh prevents men from doing something with their own bodies and he tried to weasel out of it uh, and she really yeah. just huh. let me repeat the question and she really yeah. just nailed them down so i i have no doubt that on the campaign trail 
she is going to hone in on all their weaknesses and just bury it. Yeah. Right. And that's the main role of a vice president. And I think she's going to be really good at that besides, you know, exciting some other groups. So, I mean, again, uh, she was my top choice and I'll be, you know, I, I've never hidden, hidden, hidden it from people on this show, which is she, she was originally my first choice for president too, for a lot oh, of the reasons. I don't remember that. It wasn't, I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. I was big on a Kamala uh, president Beto VP, you know, uh, ticket back then, but uh, you know, the world has, has a strange way of coming around to different places. Um, so, um, do we have more? Go, go on, uh, Brett. I was just going to ask you, have you guys seen this morning the, the quotes about from the president on the USPS, oh, yeah. the Postal Service? I can read it. Yeah. I mean, they I, can't do anything because I'm not allowing them to have the money to do anything. It's essentially... Right. <laughs> I've never I mean, seen anyone who's considered smart actually tell their crimes while they're in process. Can I read the quote real quick? Well, he's not considered smart, though. So Trump this <laughs> morning. On, show, John. You can you can read whatever you want. Well, no, no, no. I that meant that was a polite way of saying, "Hey, both of you, shut up, so I can read the quote, so people know what we're talking about." <laughs> no, I always my job here is to worry that people may not be up on stuff as much as we are. So I like to like you know give them the lay first of what's going on. So no, so the uh, not the stimulus bill, but the COVID, the new COVID bill, the Democrats are asking for, I believe, ten billion for the post office. Um, in part for the election, in part just because they're not doing very well, but obviously for the election stuff too. And Trump this morning says why he won't fund the post office in the COVID bill. Says, now they need that money in order to make the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. But if they don't get those two items, meaning the, the money, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting. Stupidest fucking person alive. Seriously. So, so he's not agreeing to the new COVID bill because it includes money for the post office. And if the post office gets the money, they'll be able to do mail-in balloting. And I don't want mail-in balloting. This may be the so toughest thing during our, our age, yeah. it seems, for like our age being our time. For people, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, out there, media and others were like, if he says that he's committing crimes out loud, are they still crimes? Yeah. It's like, you know, I know Brett is going to get this. You're not going to, John, because you're not a baseball fan. It's like Zach Greinke, like before his pitches now, actually putting his fingers up and letting them know what he's going to throw. Like, I mean, nobody's ever, nobody's ever done that before. He's like, no, no, I've got the curveball coming. And then he throws the curveball and they still miss it. Uh, in Trump's it, case. It's astonishing. Right. Trump, like literally, it's kind of like, you know, when you sat down in that famous interview with what, uh, what's the African-American reporter from NBC, Lester Holt, was like, no, no, I, I didn't shut it down because oh, of the Hillary. I, it's the yeah. Russia. Yeah, I didn't fire Kobe. It's yeah. the Russia thing. I thought, I mean, he always yeah. just gives it away. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> can he really fucking be saying this? Like he's admitting to crimes. But he's getting, but he is. Television. I mean, let me throw this to Brett, but he is getting away with it. He always gets away with it. I mean, well, that, you know, part of that is because we have one party that is morally bankrupt and doesn't care that the person in charge is committing crime. But uh, on the other hand, it's not like 2018 has gone particular went particularly well for, for the Republican Party, and it's looking like 2020 will also go quite poorly. Knock on wood. So you know, when people say he's getting away with it, he's not being let off in leg irons. But it's not like, you know, after 2018, he strengthened the Republican Party. They got decimated in the House. Um, and he has to live with the mark of impeachment, right, forever. Right. Um, which so, he hates because shame is, is, you know, the worst thing for a narcissist. Um, and, and, you know, look, I, I've said, again, 
I, they're, they're, we've had these conversations often about the, you know, we're a democracy. We don't, the, the whole issue with our system is we never ever want people politicizing prosecution. And of course we know that happens um, much more than it, it should. Um, and so that made it the, all the questions for Obama when he came in tougher, um, you know, what to do about the Bush administration and torture and these kinds of things. I still think some of those things, absolutely, they should have pursued, by the way. I don't want to get into that broader discussion, but it made it tougher. Obama was also the Jackie Robinson in terms of being the first black president. There was a lot of things to navigate. We were in economic, an economic crash. Um, but I, the, the, so when you look at it this time, the question people ask, I think, you know, like, oh, well, Trump's going to use any sort of, you know, anything that's not written in stone. He'll jump in. You know, we know that he'll right. he'll exploit. He's going to probably pardon himself and everybody around him and all this sort of stuff, assuming he loses, which he better. But we do have all of the states looking at him and he cannot pardon himself from that. And I really do believe that it's going to be almost like a, a you know, it's it, it's going to be a dividing point where if you don't run in a Democratic primary in a state where Trump has property and has committed crimes, promising right. that you will pursue them. You will not win that Democratic primary. These states include New Jersey, where he has a golf course, New York, where he has all sorts of things going on, you know, uh, Florida, where we'll have to see, but if we win big in 20, like we hope, um, where else? What am I missing? There's plenty of states. I mean, obviously DC, you know, Maryland, I believe, right? Virginia, definitely. And these, I mean, so he's going to be prosecuted eventually, unless we don't have a democracy anymore. I'm sure of it. The question will be- well, Will he end up in prison? Well, will, will, or will he end up in Riyadh? And will he even Brett jump in? Will he even will we even win the election if he pulls this crap off? Well, that's a different story, yes. Brett? Well, there's there's two really scary points about this. One is the that's the first, is that he's trying to suppress votes. And that's the headliner. The second is there's a series of poll data that's come out that says because he's been so anti uh mail-in that 70% or high 60% of Democrats are willing to do mail-in or plan to do mail-in. Well, those numbers are in the teens for Republicans. Right. So think about how that would work. On election night, uh, in some states, they don't count the mail ballots until after all the in, uh, in-person voting. So you're right. going to see a bunch of places where he's massively ahead or heavily ahead because Dems have voted by mail. And the Republicans are winning the in-person vote or might win the in-person vote. And then 24 hours later, because they counted the mail-in ballots and it's so overwhelmingly Democratic, all of a sudden those states swing to Democrats, right? Do you think he's going to say that's totally legitimate? Or do you think he's going to say there's some sort of chicanery going on? I told you this is going to happen. The mail, uh, mail-in ballots are all fraud and I'm not leaving off. And whether he says that or not, how many Republicans are going to buy into it and see the next administration as not legal or legitimate? Well, the vast majority because, of them, because anybody who's still a Republican and believes Trump is there for a reason. So that that really freaks me out, because now we have this two tiered system of voting. And even though the numbers line up and it does make sense, because the majority of Democrats are already thinking about voting by mail and 15 percent of Republicans are doing it. So if we carry the mail by that much. Um, and lose the it, the in-person vote by a decent amount. Those numbers are going to swing wildly. And we've already saw it. It happened in New York 27. Nobody yeah. really paid attention to the race because we weren't supposed to win that seat. But on election day, the Republican was up big 
And then the mail ballots started coming in. And I think the, uh, the candidate went from down 30 to like down five or six. To hear the rest of this episode, become a premium subscriber to the Unprecedented Podcast by going to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast. And with a $5 a month or more subscription, you not only support the show, but you get access to this episode and all of our premium episodes, including all of our great guests. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your support.